This podcast is brought to you by Likeable Media. Likeable Media produces and distributes content across the social web for mid to large size brands. Visit them at likeable.com. Welcome to All the Social Ladies with CEO of Likeable Media, Carrie Kerpin. Now, Carrie Kerpin. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of All the Social Ladies. I'm Carrie Kerpin, CEO of Likeable Media, and today I had the distinct pleasure of talking to Lisa Baird. Lisa Baird was named the Chief Marketing Officer of the United States Olympic Committee in 2009. She was responsible for really building the Team USA brand, which she built basically exclusively through social media. You'll hear all about it. You'll also hear the story of an incredible career, how she grew through corporate America, but changed industries time and time again to actually propel a career that is a incredible story. Take a listen. Welcome, Lisa, to the show. Thank you very much. I'm excited to be joining you. So, Lisa, as I mentioned to you offline before we started, I am so excited to have you on because I'm so impressed uh, by where you are today. And I would love to know the story of how you got to where you are today. Tell me the story of your career, and you can start as early as you'd like. Well, I, you know what, there's, uh, it, I've been working, oh my gosh, um, since, I've been working full time since 1982, I mean 84, um, after I got my MBA at Penn State University. And I've really been a marketer for most of my career. And I started at classic marketing companies like Procter & Gamble. That's where I started my career and spent uh, several years in CPG, but then um, I think I'm unique in that I transitioned industries quite a bit. So I've worked in automotive, I've worked in technology at IBM, and then for the last decade, I've been in uh, firmly in the sports arena. So I've always been a marketer, but um, more recently in sports, the marketing role is very much about sales. So I manage as a CMO of the United States Olympic Committee, I manage all of our sponsorship, uh, media deals, uh, marketing, events, hospitality, and uh, it's it's a really exciting job, as you can as you can imagine. Well, yes, of course. As I told you, I was freaking out when I saw who I was interviewing today. I was like, this is the most glamorous, fabulous job I've ever seen. So I have a question for you about changing of industries. I would imagine that would be incredibly difficult to do, to kind of shift from vertical to vertical, going specifically, I mean, CPG to automotive, it's like, it's like totally different worlds. And so when you made those challenging, yeah, Yeah. it's challenging. Was it, how did you take that on? Do you have any recommendations for that? How did you know you wanted to do it? Take me through that. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great question. And I think it is highly unusual, you know, and there's a reason on both sides. Number one is people develop, even if they change companies, people develop a comfort level and a, and, a, and, and a reputation in an industry, and it's just easier to make um, shifts in companies within an industry. Yes. If you're going across industries, you really got to challenge yourself. And I say, here are the three things that I found most challenging, but also most rewarding. 
Number one is you really have to be good at learning really quickly because as you go into more challenging industries and as you go in at higher and higher levels, you are required to make a contribution from day one. So you really have to master that learning curve. And every industry, you know, everybody believes the industry they're in is either A, the most complicated or dynamic or growing or whatever. They're all different. They're all dynamic and and interesting. And you've really got to um, work hard to learn that new industry and that new those new brands and the company. Number two is, you know, one of the things is, you know, no matter what company you're in, it's going to have a culture that's different from the one you left. Mm. And if you look at making really big changes, like I went from beauty care to automotive, right? Automotive to high technology. The cultures of those companies, what they value, how they reward are very, very different. So being chameleon-like and very flexible is really important. You can't come in and say, well, here's how we used to do it at GM and therefore IBM, you should do it. You can take the lessons learned and I've done that through my career, but you've got to have an adeptness and a a willingness to adapt and and to new cultures. But the third thing is, you know, the thread for me and why I've been able to navigate different industries and be promoted and get there is I've really taken lessons learned and experiences I've had and be been able to apply them to new situations. Mm. Right? So early on, like, you know, one doesn't think of GM as an in- innovative company. They don't. And, but I worked on the very first digital marketing ideas in 1997 and they wow. were really one of the first companies that was grappling with what the internet was doing. And I remember working on the very, very first car configurator. And trust me, it was bulky and you don't want to use it now, but it was really interesting. And I remember doing a live stream. I don't remember what we called (gasps) it then, but we did the very first live stream of a corporation. We did it of an auto show and we had a live stream going on and we used some technology from sports, believe it or not. So digital became an early theme in my career and something that I worked at with IBM and, and obviously in sports. Later on in my career, you know, I kind of discovered, I would say, the real reward of corporations that not only want to succeed commercially, but are very, very good at giving back and being really incredibly purpose-driven organizations Mm. and realizing the value of giving back to the community, which at my stage of career was really important to me. So frankly, at IBM, but also most importantly at the NFL and, and certainly in the Olympic movement, that's been a huge reward for me lately. Incredible. Okay. About a billion questions from all of that insight. First, I want to know, you talked about the culture change, which was, I think was number two on your, on your list of three. Yeah. You talked about that and looking at these culture changes and going into different, different places. Do you think that you can anticipate a culture before you start somewhere? Do you get a feel for that culture when you're going in? Did you know before you went in what it would be like? And do you think people can get a sense for a culture before they start and take a jump to a new place? Well, I, you know, the answer to the first question is no. I mean, in some cases, I was really surprised by the culture. In some cases, you know, surprised and, you know, I had to learn it. But some cases I, you know, fit in comfortably. So I would say different things. But I do think it is really critical that people 
really explore the cultures of organizations before they join. And there are questions you can ask. There's due diligence you can do. There's like really strong hints that you can look at. And you should match them up with the kind of person you are and 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 figure out where's going to be matched for where you can excel. And I'll give you a great example. From early on in my career, I knew I was I really loved competing, right? Whether it was because I was a high school athlete or, you know, sport. I love competing. I think a lot of people do. And P&G teaches you to compete externally. They're mm. really good at like at like inspiring people on how to be competitive to win market share. And that was something that I loved about that culture. So with companies that are very externally focused on customers, on marketplaces, I tend to do much better because that cultural value is something that I found early on in my career I really loved. Yeah. Um, there are other companies where that isn't quite the value, and those they tended to you know not be the the right match for me. And you know, and I think asking the questions like how is performance rewarded is a really telling question. Mm. Not not how are people rewarded? How is performance how is performance rewarded? rewarded? Yeah, that and if they say, well, you know what? Question. If you're if you did this to market share, or you grew the brand, or you did this, or you know, you know, you launched this new product, or you know, at at the at us right now with the Olympic Committee, you've grown the revenues. That to me was an environment where I knew it could well. That's that's a real key question for me. Is mm. how is performance rewarded? Not how people are rewarded, because there are other cultures where it, it may be very different. I love that. I love it. Okay. Next question before we get into digital, because I'm dying to know, and I cannot believe you basically, in my mind, you did the world's first live stream <laughs> based off of that story. I can't believe it. I think it, I actually have to give credit. To I think it was, the, there was a sailing company. Oh my gosh. I'm going to forget their name in 1997 that did the first, there's an around the world race and I'm forgetting the name of it. It's famous around the world West, And it was called Quoka was the name of the company. Okay. And they were following this, you know, big boat around the world sailing race. And I said, why don't we take that technology and do that as a live stream of the auto show? That, that was my first experiment. I'm sure it wasn't very good, but, you know, A for effort, right? No kidding. 1987, Quoka was the company. On. Quoka was the company, I remember, that had the technology that we used. Incredible. Okay, so before we get to digital, I have one question for you uh, that I, I ask of a lot of women that I talk to. You know, there's a, there's a big differential when you look at uh, the success of men and women, and it's that men, you know, tend to focus on you know, their confidence in saying what they do well, and, and that's how they're moving forward, while women are focused on competence. So they won't apply for a job unless they meet 100% of the qualifications, where men only need to meet 60 is what the kind of the data shows. Did you find as you were growing through your career, you were going into these new industries, you were you were taking on these new challenges. Did you ever have to fake it till you made it or like really air, show an air of confidence when you weren't yet feeling confident or was confidence something that absolutely. was just always within you? Yes, absolutely. No, okay. no, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we, we I've been in situations where I was completely not confident, I, you know, particularly transitioning industries, you know, transitioning, always putting myself in uncomfortable situations where, you know, I, w I wasn't the smartest person in the world, I w in the room. I wasn't, you know, I didn't have the institutional knowledge. I was trying new things. So, uh, you know, I'm always in uh, situations where you're, you're, you're kind of, you don't have the confidence of the, you know, okay, I've been here 30 years. I know yep. my way around. Yep. So, you know, do you fake it at times? 
yeah, but I, I'm not a big fan of that. I'm much more a fan of um, what I would say finding common ground mm. than I am. And and I found you can always find someone in the room or someone you're working with where there may be some common ground. You just have to look for it. And I, I'm a, I'm just a really believer. I think I grew up overseas. I was a a child of expats. And so I was always moving, you know, in places where you had um, new languages. And I think you're, you're trying to always establish commonality. And I think that once you do that, you start to develop a little trust. And once you do that, you, you, if you're taking a risk, you've got people in the boat who might be rooting for you. So there's this earning of, you know, your credentials and, mm-hmm. and then, and gosh, once you have something that's successful, you are going to develop a little more confidence. So I look at it as more of a journey. So that's been more what's worked for me is that, you know, find that area of commonality with all these people that you're going to do business with. You know, I was in, I'll tell you a great example of a story. I was going to Smucker's. They, we had signed them as a new sponsor. This was several years ago. You know, we're going to meet them and we ran into the CEO, Tim Smucker, in the lobby, you know, because obviously the Smucker family is still very much involved. Mark Smucker's the CEO and ran into them. And, you know, it's it's always like exciting when you meet the CEO of a very successful of course, company. Of course, you And, deal. you know, you're like, and you just, you know, introduce myself and we're with the Olympics and we were just sitting there chatting for a minute. And I looked at his wife and we were just talking about the upcoming games in Rio and she just mentioned she had spend some time in South America. And I immediately found out we went to the same elementary school together, Campo Alegre in Caracas, Venezuela, different times. And no. you just find, yeah, you just have your antenna out to find those areas where people, where you agree and versus those areas where you're going to disagree because you are going to have disagreements in business and those, that trust level carries you through. I love it. Look to find the common ground. That's an incredible insight for our listeners today. Okay, we're on to digital. So from 1997, doing the world's second live stream (laughs) GM, and then uh, to where you are now as the chief marketing officer at the United States Olympic Committee. So looking at at this, um, how has digital changed in terms of how you market? And what have you seen over time? um, And what have you been the most surprised by? Oh, my God. You know, that's a a long topic. Um, to me, you know, if you look at it, if, if I go back to just, like, it's a really short time, 97, you know, like the Internet was still gearing up as a technology, right? And to be able to see how far and fast it's come in such a short time, it's almost mind-boggling to look at the rearview mirror and be, okay, that's, you know, I mean, it's not even two decades, right? I don't even think there was anything in our lifetime that has moved that quickly. I mean, since yeah. it's it's like a revolution. It's unbelievable. It's It really is almost hard to comprehend. So in Correct. 19 years, and I'm just looking because I remember 97 for me, I mean, I, there were probably other companies that were already involved in it. For 97 and a company, that's really was my first experience with, okay, there's something called the internet. We've got to grapple with what it's going to do for our business. And then being able to go through companies like IBM that really led in terms of the transformation of business processes and business applications and technology to fundamentally rebuild the internet is as a, as a conduit for business to going to sports 
which, you know, arguably sports and music have to be the two leading industries that engage people in entertainment, right? I, I can't think of anything bigger in terms of where people spend their time. Of course. Digitally than sports and music. You know, when I joined GM, yeah, there was a website called NFL.com and there was something called Fantasy Sports, but to see how incredibly it's changed sport in since 2005, you know, the NBA, I think, was ahead of it a little bit, um, but, but you know, all of the leagues and even the SSC, just it's fundamentally changed the business. But I love, like, now what I see happening with companies who are getting bolder and more courageous at how they're using different forms of digital media and social media mm. to really develop these lifelong relationships with people. That, that it's, it's, amazing the freedom that that's giving companies to really be successful. And I really like what it's doing. You know, we're, we're, you know, I was, um, you know, personal story. My husband is the CEO of CrossPen. So, uh, you know, one could call it a, you know, a pre-internet, you know, communication tool, but it's still very relevant today. Of course it is. You know, he's really, he's like saying, okay, how do I do this? And I'm like, look, you can ignore what you learned as a marketer for all these years. And you could like jump right over everybody and just completely reinvent yourself, do content and video and social media. And he's like going, huh? Huh? (laughs) You know, and it's fun to see how much is you're able to do now. It's very freeing. And particularly because, you know, now you have companies who are really in it as a mainstream marketing tool, sales tool, business enablement tool, customer relationship management tool. It's the mainstream now. Whereas, you know, when we were starting just 19 years ago, it didn't, you know, it didn't matter. I remember being in conversation early on in, at the NFL when I just joined and it was 2005 and I was tr- struggling to our ticket, we were in a strategy session with uh, the uh, then commissioner. He'd just become commissioner Goodell, or he was right before he became commissioner. And Steve Bornstein remember me, and I said, I said, you know what we need? I said, you know what the NFL needs? It needs a portal for fans to communicate. <laughs> People are looking at me going, I have no idea what she's talking about. I had no idea what I was talking about. What, what I was longing for was a social media right. answer. I was right. longing for Facebook. I was longing right. for, you know, uh, Twitter. And it didn't exist. I'm like, it's a portal for fear. And so they're like, well, what do you mean? So that you can do email with each other? And I'm like, no, it's something more. But we were all wanting to have something. And then all of a sudden that exploded. So it's, it's been, it's, I think it's an exciting time to be in business. That's incredible. I, I actually love the story of how it plays out, you know, for a company like the NFL and then thinking about something like cross pens, which, you know, it's just so interesting that it impacts every type of business, much like how you talked about how you changed in industries, like social media and digital ha- really does impact every single industry. Everything. It's not an industry that it doesn't. I hope someone smart really can write that textbook or, you know, whatever it is about, you know, how it's fundamentally changed. And, you know, who knows what the next, you know, maybe we've done this much in 19 years or 20 years or whatever the right number is. What's going to happen in the next five? It's going to be pretty fascinating. It's wild. Now talk to me about your own personal social media usage. So obviously um, you've been around and, and in the industry for a while, but when you get home, are you personally a social media, your media user? And if so, what network? 
Yeah, you know, it's uh, talk about turnabout. I am a, a very big social media user, both personally and professionally, and I'm, you know, uh, probably too attuned to it. And I have to, I get regularly admonished by my 17 year old daughter for spending too much time on social media. And That's she amazing. will tell Caroline Joy Baird, if you're listening to this somewhere, Aww. your mother's listening to you. She's like, turn that off, put yep. that down. She's very, you know, get attention because I think, you know, I've been now doing it, you know, fully as part of my business. It is hard to turn that off. Yes. So what we've discovered at at Team USA, because we built the Team USA brand entirely on social media, and that's been our biggest, big focus for the last uh, seven years is your social voice can be different depending on um, the platform you're using and the audience you're reaching. And I think that that's a big lesson for marketers that grew back up in the day about being very disciplined about what your brand voice is. We're much more experimental about our different brand voice. And it was something that I think unconsciously I started to do in my personal life. So I started to segregate how I use different social mediums. And it's yes. not like I'm, you know, all on off. But Facebook, I really use for my friends and my personal life, yep. right? And that's my personal voice. And it's how I keep up with my friends and my family and my community. Twitter, I'm all in and all about sports and news. And I don't think that's very different for many people who use Twitter. I know Twitter still is pretty male-dominated. I don't want to say there's no women on there because, you know, but I tend to be tweeting back and forth much more about sports and news, which I love. So I'm using that for my – I keep up. I will tell you there are times when I have followed an entire game just on Twitter. Yep. Um, You know, although I still – don't think that following it on on any social media is as good as watching it on TV. I'm going to say that sports, I think, should still be enjoyed. Of course, um, in a community I, forum. Yes, yes. But um, I, I, but and then I'm using other uh, social media for my lifestyle because I am a mom, I am a wife. I'm I'm using it for you know I I love Pinterest like every other woman in the world. <laughs> love it. I use it. I go to Pinterest for my recipes. Thank you very much. You can find Team USA's recipes on Pinterest. One little ad. But I, I'm a, I love to cook. I love to garden. And anything that's highly visual, you know, I love that stream of it. So Instagram, you know, I have some of my friends that are Instagram. Some of them are not. But, you know, I'm on there watching my kids, you know, so – I'm absolutely on on Instagram to be there, you know, for kind of events that are happening. Like I use it differently. And it to me it's like all part of living life now. I don't look at it as interruptive. But I will tell you, my kids oh, you know, my kids are like, Get off that mom. So now we have we have no social media times at dinner. Absolutely. You have social media free times, yes. Yeah, absolutely. We do too. We do too. Same in our house. It's it's very interesting when you're growing up with kids who are learning it faster than you, and yet you're using it so much too. And it's, it's, there's there's so much that goes into that. Yeah. It's so interesting. So tell me a little bit about how you built the brand using social media. So looking looking at what you did using social. So I, you know, for us when we came in now. So when I came into uh, to the U.S. Olympic Committee, it was 2009. So every other sports property at this time was way ahead of the USOC. We we had a website, 
I think we had 87,000 Facebook fans, like nothing. And as opposed to looking at it and saying, oh, my gosh, we're so far behind, we're so far behind, we said, you know what, this is really freeing. We right. can like basically now – it was for us a, a really clean, fresh slate. So we invented, we looked at it as a very, very different exercise because we didn't have to protect anything, right? right? A lot of people, you know, it's harder to move and a little bit because they're saying, wait, we got this over here. Can we invest over here? We were able to make some very clean and, and bold decisions because we didn't have anything to protect. So very quickly, we started to build our audiences and talk to people with different voices. We, we, you know, we were able to really get in with video early on. And like, you know, right now we're seeing our video usage uh, explosively grow. I mean, explosively mm. because of the, uh, what's happening on Facebook, et cetera. And, you know, it wasn't just, we, we experimented, we tried different things. Some things worked, some things didn't, but video tends to be a real sweet spot for us. And we're a unique brand. We found our place to be as a brand. Sports brands are sports brands because they have tremendous, you know, seasons, uh, huge litany of live competitions. We were a sport brand that was defined by a massive event, granted, that happened every two years. So we created ourselves as a brand that was half lifestyle and then started to put surroundings and a network around all these competitions that appeared kind of as one-offs, but started yeah. to educate America about, look, this World Cup competition over here matters because this is how you're eventually going to be getting to the Olympic Games. Right. And that's been really rewarding. So we went from, like I think, 87,000 Facebook fans. We're now over 7 million oh. total social media, which is wow. big for this. And we're now what we're now getting really good at is using the social listening skills to curate and to really target our our content to be much more compelling, much more engaging. And that's pretty exciting. So, you know, from going from nowhere, I mean the thing that I love about Americans is they're always ready for something new. Our, our social um, listening schools will tell us, like, Team USA, I'm telling you, was not even a brand in 2009. It was something maybe a broadcaster said, but we didn't have IP around it, didn't have a brand identity, it didn't have a network, it didn't have a reason for being. And now, if you looked at the ranking of where we are in terms of top sports teams brands, we're, and this is all in all North America, and you're talking about big sport team brands like, you know, the Patriots and the Broncos and the Spurs and, you know, Golden State Warriors. You know, we're in the, you know, when we last looked this week, we were in the top 30 of all brand, sports teams brands, and we're really hoping we'll end up in the top 20 by the end of the Olympic Games. That so that was pretty incredible. exciting to see that kind of reception. Yeah. When we're incredible. in the top 150 brands of all brands, forgetting just sports teams, these are brands like Sony and Samsung and Coca-Cola and, you know, Lego. Those are big brands, the NFL, the NBA, but, you know, we're in the top 150. So having that kind of presence and receptivity to Olympic and Paralympic athletes and stories has is, is been very satisfying. I love it. Lisa, this was an incredible story, and I would love for people to follow um, all of everything that's happening with Team USA. So where should they go to follow them? 
So you can go to teamusa.org on our website. Sign up for uh, – you can go to the Apple Store or the uh, the um, uh, any any kind of store. Download Team USA app, and you'll see the, the, uh, the upcoming who's qualifying for the games, all the news about all these amazing athletes. We've already qualified over 100 athletes for the games, and we're well on our way to um, over 500 athletes will be qualified by Rio. We have a YouTube channel, so you can follow us there. We have a Pinterest page at TeamUSA.org. We have Instagram, Snapchat. So just look for Team USA and follow your athlete, your teams, and definitely cheer for, for our cheer for these amazing men and women um, as they go to Rio. Awesome. And Lisa, where should people follow you if they want to connect with you? If they want to, um, you can go for Lisa Baird and look or look at, at uh, me for Twitter at Lisa Nog. You can uh, friend me on Facebook, although that you might be bored. That's your friend's that's my face. Personal yeah, life. That's your friend's face. We'll go to Twitter. That's my friend's book, but Lisa Nog is my Twitter handle, okay. or Lisa, just search for Lisa Baird. And okay. you'll find me on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram. Absolutely, um, awesome. under under the same name. So definitely look for me. And in also you can find me on Google+. Plus awesome. We actually have a very passionate base in Google+, Plus as well. That's interesting. I love yep, that. Yep, it is. I love that. Awesome. Well, Lisa, thank you for being on the show today. You are an awesome guest. All right. Thank you so much. Go Team thank USA. You. Go Team USA. Woohoo! You've been listening to All the Social Ladies with Carrie Kerfin, CEO of Likeable Media. You can follow Carrie on Twitter, at Carrie Kirpin. To get current social media insights and great tips, sign up for Carrie's weekly newsletter by emailing newsletter at likeable.com. This podcast is brought to you by Likeable Media. Likeable Media produces and distributes content across the social web for mid to large size brands. Visit them at likeable.com.